0: Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, forgive me, Proverbs chapter 8. Um, we are still working our way through the Lady Wisdom passage. Uh, this, again, originally started out as a, um, as, as, as just look at it and one week can be done. When you dig into it, you realize this is really a central passage in Proverbs. Uh, I'm going through Proverbs on Twitter to put a proverb or two each day and uh, so so practical and good it's a discipline I've been trying to get my own self to do but Proverbs 8 is the most unique of all the chapters in Proverbs and it's really insightful that when we talk about wisdom what does Solomon have in mind so Proverbs chapter 8 we want to read verses 12 to 21 with that if you will stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word Solomon writes on the inspiration the Holy Spirit I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the path of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you to be so kind, as always, that uh, our bodies and souls will be transformed by your word. Would you be so kind to help us do that this evening? And may I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Seated. I've always believed that if you're going to write or if you're going to speak or something, um, a lot of people will say that the opening paragraph or introduction is the most important. I, I think actually the first line is the most important, uh, particularly with uh, limited attention spans that we have now. So it got me thinking, what are some of the best opening lines of any books? And I suspect the list I have, you, you're familiar at least with, with most of them. Perhaps the most famous in English um, is The Tale of Two Cities. You can finish it for me, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. That's the word we need to bring back. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. The British back then had very long sentences. One of my favorites is, of course, from J.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit's. And a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Second sentence, forgive me, we're going to do two sentences. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down or to eat. It was a hobbit hole. And that means comfort. Can I just give you a brief footnote here regarding that, that, that opening? Uh, when, when Tolkien was a professor at Oxford, um, he was grading papers, and that opening line uh, that in the hole in the ground there lived the Hobbit uh, just popped in his head. So he wrote it down on the back of a student's paper. He didn't know what any of it meant. He didn't know what a Hobbit was. Do you know what a Hobbit is? He didn't either. And eventually he thought, we should put a story uh, to that Hobbit. And out came the book, The Hobbit. And out of that came Lord of the Rings. Just interesting little footnote. The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, I see Lewis, starts out with, Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. The story is about something that happened to them when they were sent away from London during the war because of the air raids. Series of unfortunate events. If you are interested in stories with happy endings, you would be better off reading some other book. In this book, not only is there no happy ending, there is no beginning, happy beginning and very few happy things in the middle. Here's my favorite next to the Hobbit. This is my favorite. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, another Narnia book. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. That is great. Don't you want to know more about Eustace? Uh, he, he, he gets turned into a dragon. You got to read it yourself. I just finished, this is another footnote because uh, I have to go three times over today. Um, I just finished The Silver Chair and uh, he's not called used to Scrub. He's just called Scrub for the most part because of what happens in Don Treader. Uh, silver Chair is an excellent book. Uh, it doesn't get the respect it deserves. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Well, uh, what it is you have here, now, what, what we've done in Proverbs 8 is, is we see that Proverbs 8 is, again, a unique passage in Proverbs, really in the Bible in sense. But the first 11 verses serve as a type of forward, an introduction. We don't really meet Lady Wisdom until verse 12. And how she introduces herself is interesting in light of ancient literature. This opening line, the book really begins, if we call it a book, in verse 12, I, Wisdom. In fact, I think that the ESV is wrong here. The word Wisdom should be capitalized. This is a personal name. Her name is Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is what we've called her, but Wisdom is her name. Now, the reason that's significant is that opening line, we find it throughout the ancient world. It is usually used to, when one is writing about themselves. a king may say, I, King, Smith, whatever it is, did these deeds. Let me give you an example in the Bible, just so you can have a comparison. Solomon will do the same thing. Uh, He'll call himself uh, the preacher's way we translate it. There's other words that we could use. He'll do the same thing in introducing himself in Ecclesiastes. This is common language. So right away we discover that wisdom is more than anthropomorphized. She's personified. It's almost as if she's real. And this is where a lot of debate, we'll see this more, Lord Willing, next week. But a lot of debate regarding Proverbs 8 is, is that she carries almost a divine persona about her. And here she introduces herself. And we are to think of her in many ways as someone who is real, tangible, someone that we should seek out. We've seen that thus far with the call of wisdom, the first three verses, and the character of wisdom, verses 4 through 11. What we see here uh, this evening is the companion uh, to Lady Wisdom. Let's start here, verses 12 to 13. Lady Wisdom has friends. Lady Wisdom's friends. Several years ago, there was a controversial experiment. I wouldn't say it's an academic experiment, but experiment nonetheless. That Basically, what what people did was they took a group of, I think they were 9 or 10-year-old boys, and a group of 9 or 10-year-old girls, and they put the boys in one house, they put the girls in another house, with cameras all over the place, unsupervised, for about two weeks. What do you think happened? Some of it was predictable. The boys came in and they destroyed the place, right? I mean, it's just make a mess, everything that you can do. The girls came in, although there were messes, it wasn't perfect. They they were better structured. They were better organized with cleaning things up. And when they found the paint, they started to decorate their their rooms and the walls and everything like that. Two very different uh, differences between the boys and the girls. Another thing they noticed was that boys rather quickly, it took a little, little time, but rather quickly, they, they developed a hierarchy. People were above the other people, right? And, and that is how uh, we know that uh, sociologically and psych- psychologically. That is how men function. If you don't believe me, you should join a team, any sport, pick any of just, just men, pick any of it. Uh, there will be a captain, whether he has that title or not. There will be the little runt who they hope never comes into the game, right? And there is a hierarchy that, that goes all the way down. Go to a machine shop where a bunch of mechanics are. You will find a hierarchy whether the company recognizes or not. That's what the boys did. And the way boys function, there's bunk beds. The higher up gets the bigger, the, 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 the bed on the top, right? The, the, the lesser crew, they get, get the lower beds, right? What do you think the girls did? Clicks. Yes, yes. It's, it's interesting you mentioned clicks. They, instead of separating into rooms, they actually all slept in the same room. However, immediately there was drama. And on the first night, they voted to kick one of the girls out. Yeah, and none of is surprising, isn't it? So, so what you have among men is a, a, a more uh, patriarchal, hierarchical society. What you had among the little girls was a more egalitarian society. So, so rather, the, the, the boys would say, I ain't picking up the trash. You do it. The girls would more uh, talk about it, right? They would partner. They would divide and conquer, this, this, this sort of thing. And what's interesting is they had all these divisions, right? Well, I just, I'm going to join your side because I can't believe. It. Eventually, they did better at reconciliation and coming together. But they would come together only to fall apart again. That was the pattern that you saw constantly with the girls. The boys, uh, if they had a problem, they'd slug it out. There are no parents around, at which point they got along fine after that. But why? Hierarchy. Whoever wins the fight is higher up on the hierarchy. That's, that's, that's how it's determined. Now, why does that, all that matter? Is because I don't think it's accidental that in that experiment, we saw that, that, that the girls were more social. Again, they, they all slept in the same room, whereas the boys weren't. What is it you find with lady wisdom? She's very social. What we meet here in verses 12 and 13 are her friends, right? This, is, this has been a, a running joke between men and women for, for, for many years. Uh, men struggle, particularly uh, a, a young grooms struggle with how, how social the, their wives are. For, for example, men can go to the restroom all by themselves. It, it, it astounds me that women can't do that, Right? It's is, it is, It's a social event. Now, that's a stereotype, of course, but that, that, is, that is true across the board. Let me just give you just this one story. Uh, more recently, um, our, our church did an, an outreach where we tried to interact with people over at the concert uh, at the Old Capitol. I wasn't able to be there because I went to Ointin for a Q&A for the church plant that we're at the sending Church for. And um, it went rather long, and my dad wanted to take my son and I to the hot rod place up in Louisville uh, the next morning. He wanted to leave early. I called him. I said, Dad, I'm going to get home really late. I'm just not leaving Ointen. Um And I know when I get home, my wife had, had done a fundraiser, an art fundraiser for school and everything. I said, she's going to be really chatty. She's going to tell me everything about it. I'm going to be tired, but I'm going to have to sit there and listen to her talk, right? So I said, Dad, can, can we leave a little later? It's going to be after midnight before I actually fall asleep. Well, when I close my eyes, I'm insomniac. it be another hour before I actually fall asleep. He said, that's fine, son. Well, come find out she wasn't chatty. She's tired. However, what I noticed is she kept asking me questions to get me to talk. Tell me about what happened at the Q and A. Tell me, you know. But when we woke up the next morning, she wasn't tired anymore. Guess who was chatty? (laughs) Men don't get chatty, right? Just men and women are different. Well, guess who we meet here? We meet our friends. In Song of Solomon, there are three characters, really four. It's, it's probably God, but it's debatable. It's three characters, the groom, the bride, and her friends. He has no friends in the, in the poem. Why? Because the groom has to win not just her, but her friends. We meet Lady Wisdom's friends. Here they are, prudence, knowledge, and discretion. They're laid out there in verse 12. This isn't the only time these trio of friends show up in Proverbs. If you want to see it right at the beginning, they're in verse 4. You meet them again, uh, prudence, knowledge, and discretion. What do these terms mean? Well, first of all, let us meet prudence. Prudence we talked about a little bit last week. You you can look at verse 5 where we talked about it. There we we saw that prudence is often associated with the simple because prudence carries the idea of discernment and caution. The simple are those who just rush into things. They don't give it any thought. They they don't run it through their head. They they just go, and they go quickly. Uh, What's the old uh, uh, Chase Robertson joke? If you don't know what you're doing, you might as well do it quickly, right? Uh, from, from the Duck Dynasty guys, um, pr- a prudent person, uh, as a result, because they're more cautious, because they think things through, they're not as easily deceived or seduced. Now, both wisdom and prudence must dwell together. They are close friends because prudence, we said, without wisdom, is caution with little to no action. Wisdom without prudence is knowledge with little to no caution. So we see in Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believes everything. You know, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. But the prudent gives thought to his steps. Interestingly, outside of Proverbs, this Hebrew word that we translate prudence here in chapter 8 is usually a negative attribute. It gets translated as shrewdness, deceptive, or even cunning. Let me give you an example of someone who is portrayed as prudent even though the word isn't used. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty. Same idea. Here you see the idea of prudence is given in the negative sense. My wife and I are watching a, a show where uh, a guy uh, uh, you know, escapes from prison. And he's, he's, a, he's the brainiac. He's the one that came up with the plan and everything. And when they're on the run, what the showrunners did is they had to get the mirror image of him. So he is a bad guy even though you're rooting for him. right? He's the, he's the protagonist. The antagonist is the FBI agent. And what they do is, he is equally uh, uh, prudent. He's equally smart. He's 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 everything equal to, to, to the guy that we're rooting for. And so, what we're trying to, what the uh, the, the writers are showing is, is their prudence. Is is this their gifts. Do they use them for good or bad? One will use it to catch the, 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 the runaway. The other will use it to escape you know, and, and, and to be free. Same sort of thing. We do this in superhero uh, comic books and movies and everything all the time, right? Every superhero has a, someone who matches them, Batman has his Joker. Green Arrow has his Dark Archer. Captain America has the Winter Soldier. Superman has General Zod. Thor has Loki, right? And that's the idea, is is, is that this word can be positive, it can be negative. The choice is which one will we apply this gift? Ultimately, godly prudence uh, are, are those who use wisdom for good they live under the weight of the fear of the Lord. We, we see that here, right? Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Um, and so they use prudence to navigate life's many problems. The prudent then are slow to speak and quick to think, right? We get this in, in, in James, which I failed to put it up there, I guess. James 119, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. He's describing the prudent man. Secondly, knowledge. We meet her friend, knowledge. This term is obviously a generic term, right? It, it is uh, throughout the Bible. It, uh, uh, it just means to know. Now, the key to understanding the term is that it implies a relationship that is known, right? You can't know without the relationship, right? This is probably what lies behind why often in the Old Testament, marital intimacy is described as knowledge, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Cain knew his wife and she conceived. Thus in Proverbs, knowledge is often closely associated with wisdom. They're, they are the best of friends. So Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Uh, the fear of the Lord, uh, chapter 9, is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We'll look at words like understand insight here in a second. And we've already explored the connection between knowledge and wisdom in the past, right? In our study of Solomon and even Proverbs. Simply knowing something must be done is not the same thing as knowing what to do. One is knowledge. Another requires wisdom. How many times have you and I said, whether it's the president of the United States or the coach of your favorite team, I don't care. We just need someone different, right? We know there needs to be a change, but wisdom is knowing what kind of change needs to be made. Um, there was a commentator when a president came in. Uh, he was upset that people were critical of, 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 of that the president was choosing academics. And, and this commentator says, of course, I want the smartest people in the room making all decisions. And of course, the redneck in me says, well, knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. You can be smart, but you can be a fool. And, and this is why you see lady wisdom does not travel without knowledge. And knowledge does not travel without lady wisdom. Well, thirdly, discretion. Unlike knowledge, discretion is less generic. We, 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 we have a clear idea what it is. However, like prudence, it can have both a negative and a positive connotation to it. And all that's dependent on the context. Negatively, the word can uh, can imply to plot or to plan evil. Let me give you an example of this. In Psalm, uh, Psalm 10, in arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor, Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. There it is. They're schemes. The point is that the wicked weaponize discretion for their own wicked schemes. I referenced superheroes earlier. Forgive me, but they are a good example here. One of the things that you find in comic books is your most powerful superheroes, they often have an unpowered villain that is, is their equal. For example, Superman is, he's Superman, right? He can, he can you know, go faster in speed and bullet, right? Uh, however, Lex Luthor is just a billionaire. He's known for his brain. We're considered the Flash, fastest man in the world, right? He has a villain called the Thinker. He can think faster than Flash can run. It's an interesting little pair off, off of there. He has no power other than he's really smart I can outsmart the Flash. Positively, however, this term implies discretion or resourcefulness. In Proverbs, it means to navigate life uh, without falling for the lures of evil. Proverbs two eleven: 11, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Now, all of this is to say that where there is wisdom, you will find her three friends. These are her companions. You cannot separate wisdom from these three attributes. Um, These are, if you will, the fruit of wisdom. Much in the same way we describe that if you have the spirit, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So too, if you have wisdom, you will have prudence, knowledge, and discretion. This is all, again, summarized in verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil are perverted speech that I hate. Well, these are her her friends. Let's quickly look at her influence. Accompanying her friends, we see the influence of Lady Wisdom. When she speaks, she gives three things. First of all, her and her companions will give counsel and sound wisdom. You see there in verse fourteen, uh, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Throughout Scripture, this relates to advice. As you can imagine, uh, when kings have to make a decision, right? They have counselors. Now, this is a great example of this when. Um, um, Absalom has taken over, right? One of David's counselors, advisors, is taking the side of Absalom, and David prays that his counsel turns into foolishness, and it does. We talked about that not too long ago. One should remember here that wisdom is practical. Uh, This is what separates knowledge and prudence, is that wisdom does something, Right? It isn't just to know what should be done. It's actually uh, put it into practice. Proverbs uh, 12, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkens unto counsel is wise. So it isn't just that, that, that it gives counsel, that counsel is followed through. You give other examples, we're short on time, 19, 20, uh, and then two others, 25 and 27, nine. So, so we see counsel and sound wisdom, the first trait. The second trait you'll find is insight with wisdom. This is often translated, maybe your Bible translates it as understanding. I like insight a little better, but understanding is fine. It carries the idea of intelligence, particularly as it relates to a specific skill. For example, I have no insight on what is wrong with your car. My Corolla, there's something wrong with it. No idea what's wrong with it. I have no insight. I have no understanding. I may be the son of a mechanic, but I know nothing about vehicles. Now, if you want my opinion on the advantages of pressing in a 4-4-2 in soccer, I've got some real insight on that. That's not going to help you at all, but I can give you some insight on that, right? right? Because it's, it's more of my knowledge base. It's, it's more insight that, that, that I do have. And so I'll just put these up here. Two examples from the Old Testament where insight is given for specific skills. A better example is in uh, First Chronicles uh, 12 where um, um, Issachar um, understands the times. He, he has insight uh, to, to, to do what, is, what, what needs to be done in Israel. But Proverbs are full of these. Uh, Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own insights. Well, you talk about a proverb we know well that the culture doesn't. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but not your own insight. Here comes Disney with the princesses, right? But daddy, I love him. Oh, just follow your heart, dear. Just follow your heart. What's the worst that could happen? Well, turn on the news. You can see a lot of people are following their hearts, right? But we should trust in the Lord instead. A few other examples. You see 4-5 there, and then 4-7, and then 7-4. Say on the wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight, understanding my kinswoman. Notice the feminine use there. I think it's fascinating. Thirdly, strength. So she has her friends, but she brings with her these traits, and here is strength. It's interesting. This is the only time there in verse 14 that this word strength is used in this in in this sort of way that it's in this form. Right. And but this word is associated with power and might. So so what you get in the Bible is this word is often used for kings, military powers and stuff like that. They are mighty. They are powerful. In Proverbs, it inverts it. The powerful are not those with weapons. The powerful are those with wisdom. Let me, let me give you a few examples here. Proverbs 16, uh, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than, there's that word, the mighty. Notice the use of the mighty here is, is they've got prominence. They've got position. They've got power, right? And here comes Solomon says, if you are slow to anger, you're more powerful than the mighty. And, if, and, 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 and he that rules the spirit is more powerful than him who can take the city. I mean, read history, this is true. Those, those who just who have victory after victory after victory usually have a major defeat and they just collapse. Uh, Proverbs 21, 22, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. I mean, that's, that's, that's just the point, is that with wisdom comes power. Now, verse 15, 16, you see the beneficiaries of these, of these gifts. Who are the beneficiaries? Kings. Uh, Now, it's not limited to kings, but Solomon is a king writing to his son, who will be a king. He's saying, look, that the thing you should pursue the most is wisdom. Because if you have her, you get her friends and they come free. They come with it. Batteries are included there. Her friends come with her and with her come the benefits of counsel. With her comes the benefit of insight and strength. Now, we'll do some skipping here because of time, but but. Over and over again, we see the practical advice a king gives to a future king here. And it is, his point is, is that wisdom is massively practical, whether you're in politics or not. Now, now, can we pause here and make a really good application? We as voters have something to say in this, particularly this, this direction towards kings. When we are deciding on who to vote for, let us pay less attention to slogans, ads, and adverts, uh, commercials, promises, and all that. Rather, we would do better as Christians to look for Lady Wisdom. Is she a welcomed voice in the ear of the person we are voting for? That's the point Solomon's making here towards the king, isn't it? If Lady Wisdom isn't welcome at the table, along with all of her friends of the king, that king will fall, and he'll take the nation with him. But if she is the guest of honor... And she brings all of her friends and all of her strengths with her. Watch what happens. The city will triumph. Likewise, when we consider our specific roles or leadership, whatever they might be in the home, in the community, whatever they is, the most important voice we should listen to is wisdom. Not our pride, not our ambitions, but wisdom. Lady Wisdom. Remember, it opens up that Lady Wisdom is calling to all who would listen to her. Well, let's quickly look at Lady Wisdom's love. Her love. Um, and all this comes to a head in verses 17 to, to 21. Um, and we have discovered so far that Solomon's, one of his big points is that lady wisdom is not hard to find. When, when I was in high school, we would go to Icthus Festival in Wilmore at Asbury. And the group I would go with uh, was a group from Sparta Vaps Church. I went with one of my best friends, still a good friend of mine. Um, his dad was, was the ringleader. And to make it easy for us teenagers to find his dad in a, in a crowd of 20,000 people, he would wear the brightest pink hat ever. The only time he'd wear it throughout the year was for And the reason was so that we could find him. And Solomon's point in this chapter is to say, Lady Wisdom, if you will, is wearing a bright pink hat if you'll just look for her. She's easy to find. She's calling out in the street. She's at the crossroads. She, she's in the high places. Listen to her. And look at the benefits of befriending her. And look who comes with her. So so we get there in verse 17. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Well, that makes sense. We will not only find her, but we will be loved by her. She is the prize, if you will. Lady Wisdom gifts those who find her. And notice what she gifts them with, verses 18 and 19. Riches. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. This mirrors what, what, what we saw earlier in verses uh, 10 and 11, right? That she is more valuable than gold and silver. We, we talked about that two weeks ago. Here, the idea is not that if you come to wisdom, you'll get wealthy. Now, there may be uh, financial and other benefits to wisdom. After all, if you're spending all your money, uh, on, I don't on, on on something that there's no return on, right? You're just wasting it. And then, yeah, that's going to affect the bottom line. And wisdom will say maybe you should go another direction. The point isn't that we will be financially blessed. Notice it's riches and honor, and that wisdom itself is more valuable than gold and silver. What you get then is wisdom, and with that comes all the other benefits of honor. Secondly, notice of righteousness. Verses twenty twenty one. I walk in the way of the right of righteousness in the path of justice. Notice the connection between right living and a just society. You cannot have wicked people um, um, uh, bringing about justice. So all this talk about being a just society—good luck getting justice from the wicked. It, you just can't do it because they, the wicked, don't hear Lady Wisdom's call granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. So what are, what are the benefits? We get riches and honor. We get righteousness. Where you find her influence, you will find a system of justice rooted in gospel justice. So here, here are her companions. And from these companions, we see how she leads and how she loves and, and, and she is right there if only we would pursue her. And I love that too, right, that, that Solomon continues that, that feminine language of wisdom is that she is one who calls, she's the one that makes herself available, but you have to chase her. You have to pursue her. Think about it, ladies. When you were in recess, when you were first grade, what did you want to play? Chase. You wanted all those cute boys. You couldn't take your eyes off in class to chase you. You're just going to run around. They're just going to chase you. Why? Girls love to be chased. Boys love to do the ones chasing here's Lady Wisdom. She's not hard to find. But you'd better pursue her. When you catch her, she will love you and she will bless you. So much so you will never want to let her go. But you have to chase her. You have to chase her. And so here, with the companions of wisdom, let us ask ourselves, do I know wisdom? Am I a person of discretion? Am I a person of prudence? Am I a person of knowledge? Am I a person who loves and is loved by lady wisdom? Let's pray. Our father